0: Welcome to the biggest thing to hit the financial advisory ESG community, environmental, social, and governance. I'm Jonathan Kavaznik, CHFC Wealth Advisor. With over 25 years advisory experience, I've been advising clients so they can make a positive global impact. Hello and welcome to the ESG Players
1: Podcast with your host, Jonathan Kavaznik, one of the leading ESG advisors in the country. Today, on the ESG Players podcast, we are welcoming Shelly Siegel. Shelly is the director of TRIO programs at North Hennepin
0: Community College. Well, hello, I'm Jonathan Kavaznik, your host today, and I'm so excited that we have the amazing Shelly Siegel today who's joining us to talk about our UN Sustainable Development Goal number four. So, we want to ensure inclusive and equitable quality education and promote lifelong learning opportunities for all and one of the great things that I know Shelly has done for a long, long time is to give students and people access to education. And so today, we're gonna find out a little bit about why Shelly feels that's really important for our uh, for our community and really important for our society, and so we're gonna start in with that. But maybe, uh, Shelly, I'll back it up a minute and just give us a little bit of background about the program TRIO and what that really means and how that works for you.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, So I'll just start by saying, um, I'll I'll start by saying, I'll talk about myself a little bit because um, I I was, um, you know, I I graduated from high school, and at the time, it was in the 70s, Uh, college really wasn't something that I aspired to do, and I really hadn't thought of it. I went off to be um, a folk singer, and I was a teacher's aide. So I was around education. One day I decided I I, I really think I want to be a teacher. Um, I want to go to college. Suddenly, well, I didn't know the first thing about that because my family really didn't have a lot of education, formal education in their background. So um, I decided, hey, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call up the University of Minnesota and apply. And uh, I found out that I needed to have. A, t- a, a high school transcript um I had to have money I had to have a
0: <laughs>
2: shocking <laughs> it really it was surprising how much how many things I needed to have that I didn't know I was supposed to have I applied to the university at, at that time it was open enrollment general college so you really didn't have to have an ACT score um by now, uh, since then, that college has, has gone away, which is sad. But it was kind of served the role as, uh, like, the community college, open enrollment for all. So I got a flyer in the mail, and it was um, inviting me to be a part of this program called TRIO. And I qualified because neither of my parents had finished college. Um, and so that was how I qualified. And also, I was living on my own, and I was making, you know, barely, I was on food stamps at the time, living in a one-room, um, mouse-infested apartment. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so, I mean, I was living, you know, I was happy because I was young, but I was, I was living, you know, I didn't have a car, or whatever. Um, so I, I joined this program, and I honestly can say that had I not joined the program from the very start, I would never have finished college. It was so important for me because I didn't know how to navigate college. And ironically, when I was in high school, I was offered a full grant to be able to go, but I turned it down because I didn't understand the culture of college. I didn't know. It was, it was scary, and I didn't know um, what it would mean to be in college, so I passed that up. By the time I was ready, I... Um, I, s- I realized that I needed a lot of support. And just somebody to, to sit down with me and say, you know, well, here's the classes you need. This is what a degree is. I didn't even know like how a degree looked or what the options were. So that's kind of my own story, how I got into the TRIO program myself. Um, but I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of TRIO programs because I think it's an, it's, an interesting, um, it's an interesting story. So it's, it goes way back to the mid-60s. Uh, And Lyndon Baines Johnson was the vice president of the United States. The president at the time was John F. Kennedy. And um, when Lyndon Baines Johnson was growing up as a child, he was from a poor family. He grew up in Texas, Stonewall, Texas, in the 20s, and uh, very much like a lot of immigrants at the time, formal education was not, was not a priority. I mean, just living, and it's not that different from today. But his parents, they had a big family. They, they were on a, on a homestead um, trying to make ends meet. They saw that Lyndon Baines Johnson was bright, and they pushed him, encouraged him uh, into getting a high school, finishing high school, going on and getting a college degree, which was pretty unusual for his family. And so he ended up being a teacher of Mexican Ameri- low-income Mexican-American children. He moved to Houston, Texas. He was a high school teacher. And he understood that po- the way out of poverty was ed- being educated. And it stands today. So by the time he became a senator, by the time he became the vice president, by the time he became the president of the United States, that was his entire um, mission was to try to move America out of poverty through formalizing education and having access for all. So he started the what was then called the Economic Opportunities um, uh, the Office of Economic Opportunity. And in that uh, evolved the um, several programs that are still around today. Um, I'm sure your listeners have heard of Head Start, children, um, preschool children, um, getting them to start even thinking about school and what school means. And then um, Vista, Job Corps, Community Action. And then the Pell Grant came around, monies for people to go to college who couldn't afford college, and grant monies. And so um, they, they made this money available, and they funneled it through the universities and colleges throughout the United States, because they thought if we give this money to those colleges, they will get the word out about this free money. So what they did is hired practitioners. Practitioners went out into the schools to tell them about this free money. And what they found was is that if you were in poverty, you might not stay in school. I mean, there is so much transition. There is so much. uh, If you're living in poverty, you're possibly moving around. You may be living with one family and then you have, maybe you're homeless. Um, So having longevity in school was, you were fragile. So um, they knew they had to do more than just give people money to go to school. The other thing they found out was kids did not know how to even prepare once in high school to be in college. And Um, they also didn't know how to navigate or prepare or what it meant to be in college. So they needed a lot of support. So that's kind of how these programs evolved. It started out in 1965 with high school upward bound and then that was getting those kids prepared ACT prep, getting them um, uh, on college campuses, touring campuses, um, community service kinds of things and then Uh, help with applications. And then a few years later, the program called, at that time it was called Special Services. It's now called Student Support Services. That's the program that's housed right on college campuses where where students may uh, be low income. Their parents did not graduate from college. They would have support right on the campus, like I was when I was back in the TRIO program when I was at the University of Minnesota. So that's where it all began. And the the TRIO, the reason it's called TRIO, it's not an acronym. I should have said this right away because that's the first thing that people wonder. Um, But it, it stands for the first three programs. It's an umbrella term that were the first three programs that were housed through, you know, the federal budget. And so it was basically a line item in the federal budget. High School Upward Bound was the high school program and then later student sports services, the college-level program, and then middle school. There's a program called Educational Talent Search, and that was trying to get middle school kids to start thinking about college and careers. So now uh, there's actually seven programs under the TRIO umbrella. So our title doesn't really define us. So there's a lot of questions about what it means when people first hear the word. But all of these programs now all the way through um, graduate level. So there's seven programs, like I said, Um, there's a veterans upward bound program, people who've been vets and they're trying to get back into the pipeline of of academics. There's um, upward bound math science, trying to get kids interested in math and science. There's uh, um, educational opportunity center for adults who um, may be not in the educational pipeline, and so they're just maybe they've been a dislocated worker, and now they're trying to get back into school. So they they need to understand how to fill out financial aid forms, and then so those programs are typically housed in the workforce centers, um, and. Um, I said Ronald E. McNair, which is the college-level program that helps students go on and get their master's degrees, doctoral degrees, that sort of thing.
0: It, it sounds like an amazing program, and it sounds like it's been around for a long time. One of the things that I really find fascinating about the program is how long it's been in existence and kind of its roots. Can you tell me a little bit about what people would learn from TRIO as far as how they include the inclusiveness and finding those who might fall through the the gaps or finding those new people who might say, hey, i got to go earn a living. I can't really take the time to get educated. What are the outreach things that the program does to include those kind of people?
2: Yep. So TRIO programs were the first formal college access program in the United States. And because Lyndon B. Johnson had this vision Got it. Got it out there through the congressional process. The monies were out there. The practitioners started um, because it was nationwide. Started communicating with each other and meeting regularly. And saw because it w- was part of the congressional process that there is a political side to this. And so they knew that if um, because originally it was the monies were just designed to go uh, out to folks who were low income or struggling in poverty but later so all the decisions around these monies were going into pockets where a lot of communities of color were were getting the benefits for this and so the practitioners saw that if we continue this path of just providing services for, for poor folks that there's a chance that we could be looked upon as um, something other than a class-based program. And so they really pushed for this to be more inclusive um, and made it class-based, because they were worried that if it was race-based, that once the tables would turn and people didn't want to buy into supporting race-based programs, which happened, that that they would lose. And so very interestingly, Enough. They got organized politically. The practitioners did. They went to Washington D.C. They got. Um, they met with all kinds of people to start including people whose parents didn't graduate from college, the first generation college student, and that went so far um, across many lines, just not economically, but all lines, socioeconomically, but um, culturally. And so at the time when that happened, and that was not until the 70s, that's when the programs kind of went from um, um, sort of rather uh, could be have been unstable to just growing because now more and more people were able to use these services. And because they, uh, I'm going to back up, because what they found was there was a strong correlation between people who were in poverty and people whose parents didn't graduate from college. And that was the defining piece. And so those are the folks. So there's the disparity. You know, if you're not, if your parents didn't go to college and you're living in poverty, you're not going to go to college. And so that keeps people at the poverty level. Because if you look at the data, people who are in the upper quartile of income have more education. You know, it yeah. it does happen where that's not true. But overall, the people who have the more advanced degrees they have, formal education, that they have more opportunity to have full lives, more comfortable lives, right. more productive lives as citizens.
0: Well, what I think is interesting uh, about the whole uh, program and the whole way that this works is that it's giving access and opening the door, but it's also giving some counseling and some support, right, to people yes. who might not have the same mindset or may feel the pressure that they just can't stop take a breath and actually enroll in school and continue yep. their education right
2: yep and that's the that is the number 1 service that's that that people get when they're part of this program is they they start connecting with a person who's going to you know, take them under their wing, get to know them as a person, and guide them through the process, and figure out individually, because everybody has different needs, what is it that uh, that this person needs to do, and then encouraging them, because mostly what we see is confidence building, because people come in, and they don't, they're like, I am not college material. I do not see myself getting A's in calculus. That's not me. I don't see myself going on to get you know, a bachelor's degree in biology. That's not me. But then when they start going through the process, they s- it's almost like a f- unfolding of, like a flower unfolding. It's like a blossoming, you know? So we sure. see a lot of confidence building that goes on. And there's also a lot of tutoring in these programs. So, you know, sitting down one-on-one where maybe some some of the material might be intimidating. Maybe you didn't have um, in, your, in your upbringing a lot of exposure to literacy, maybe didn't have a lot of exposure to some things that are just taken for granted when people who have been through education formally and in their families that take for granted. So, you know, like I had a student one time who he was in this political science class and he was really having a hard time because he didn't know the concept of the word committee. And he was so smart, and he was so motivated. But it was foreign to him. In his lifestyle, and his upbringing, he did not understand what a committee was. So sometimes it's that basic where, you know, oh, well, you don't have to be afraid. If I'm, a, if I'm a tutor and I'm working with you, you don't have to be afraid to tell me that you don't know this word. You don't have to feel stupid um, because you shouldn't know this word. You know, this, and this, this is like multi- this is There's so many layers to it. Your question about how people find out about it: only eleven percent of the population are being served by these trio programs of people who could qualify. So it is harder to. I like we're a federally funded program, we don't have a marketing firm, but there are other programs out there that have have um, modeled what trio does, and then they have bigger budgets, so they can spend more money. On, on publicity so there's there's several programs that have modeled trio that are out there doing wonderful work so yeah you would have to just mm-hmm. come encounter with it you'd have to you know find out about it through word of mouth or perhaps uh when you start going to the process of getting into college or maybe in the workforce center
0: so Shelley, can you tell us what is the average age of <laughs> someone who would be looking for this type of uh, benefit and services
2: Well, right now, um, you know, it depends on what college you're talking about. At the community college, we have um, a large number of our student population are what we consider adults around age 26, 27. That's pretty average. Um, Right now, we're seeing a large number of students who are PSEO coming to, to college So, you know, doing dual enrollment from high school to college, that's a really good program. Um, But um, the majority of students that we see right now at the community college level is roughly around that 25, 26 range. More females than males.
0: Sam, a female and I grew up in a family where they don't really value the education of the woman in the household what could they do? What would you say would be the steps for a a woman who feels that way, that she just doesn't have access and it's just not the right thing based on her cultural background?
2: We see it a lot, John. We see it a lot, and it's because say a woman, your example of a woman coming to college and not having the support from the family is is not uncommon at all. And so um, as, as far as the TRIO program goes, we end up sort of becoming a second family to that individual who, because they're motivated, they want to be there, but maybe they're getting pulled back for a number of reasons. When they start getting into their classes and they start engaging with other students and faculty, and by the way, college isn't just about coming to class and, and you know studying and taking tests anymore. There's been a big shift into what happens outside of the classroom as well so students are really encouraged to get engaged into sort of this extracurricular co-curricular kinds of activities and that's kind of where the shift has been going in the last I don't know five ten years so so you might take a class and it might be current environmental issues well you'll be doing a lot of exploration say out in the community where you're learning uh, firsthand. Maybe you're going to go to the city dump, experiential learning, experimental experiential learning. And then on campuses, you're going to get involved with, you know, um, different clubs, organizations that are doing good work, and that's really, really strongly encouraged. And there is so much, at least at the community college in the Twin Cities, there is so much uh, variety. I hate to use the word diversity because, I I I mean, yes, diversity is what's happening, but um, you are going to come become encounter people from so many different backgrounds and so many different points of view that you're going to just be exposed to. If you really want to, if you really love learning, then you know that that woman that's taking those classes is going to come home and be energized. And so TRIO is going to support that person and say, look at, look at how well you're doing. Look at where this is going to lead you. This is going to lead you to an internship, which you never thought was possible. This is going to lead you to... And that's what TRIO does. That's another thing TRIO does is they open doors. So c- people come in and they say, yeah, I, I want to go to school and I don't really know what I want to do. I want to be... I think I want to be a nurse and it's because maybe they were sick one time and they were in the hospital. And so they they think, okay, I saw what the nurse did and how they treated me and I want to do that and I know they make money. Well, if you look at healthcare and the variety of work that is available, it is like I think at Mayo Clinic there's like 1500 different kinds of professions just at Mayo Clinic alone. So, we're trying to open doors and give them opportunities to To look broader at things that they didn't know was possible.
0: That's awesome. Well, what we find with a lot of our clients and our listeners too is we're in the realm of the ESG, the Environmental Social Governance Investing, and a lot of times people are asking, how do these programs get funded and what can I do when I have a portfolio and I'm allocating my investments? And people really think about the private sector or the private colleges and Big Ten schools or the East Coast Ivy League schools and the amount of money that they have available to them. And then you look at a school like the North Hennepin County Community College or some of the other community colleges and some of our public universities, and we think about where do they get their funding. And so for our clientele, it seems like it would be a great opportunity for them when they think about how they can allocate to different maybe fixed income or bond issues or areas that will raise funds to help support this education. But from your side of it, it sounds like education is really important in your life and really important to what TRIO is doing. Can you tell me, is there a way for our clients and for our listeners to actually give back and participate in TRIO, other than being a participant in the programs? Is there a way for them to support TRIO?
2: There is. The first thing that comes to mind is because our funding is at the federal level, that we, um, uh, although... It tends to happen where our alumni uh, end up being some of the best spokespeople because they've lived through the program, and and they it it means a lot to them. But once people find out about what the impact is and how effective it is in getting our students to graduate, we have extremely high rates of students who graduate compared to those that are similar have similar backgrounds, but may not use the program. So our services are making a huge difference. So if if you know that, then the best thing to do is to, you know, come and just see what, you know, reach out to a TRIO program, see what we do, and then, of course, give the congressman a phone call and just say, you know, I support this program. A lot of our congressional members are former TRIO participants as well. We have a lot of support on both sides of the aisle, um, which is why we have, had uh, such good longevity all this time so yeah get involved in and go to our website in Minnesota mntrio.org that's where you'll learn a lot about um, uh, what we do and you can see all the different colleges universities high schools, middle schools that have trio programs and then um, another website I could suggest is called C-O-E-N-E-T, coenet.org which is the Council for Opportunity in Education, which is our Washington, D.C. Um, National Association organization that does a lot of uh, the groundwork when it comes to if there's... They're, they're right on top of all the issues that may be affecting our low-income students. That's kind of the other cool thing, is that um, when it comes to the congressional process, the trio community is the voice for low-income first-generation Americans. Um, another thing I want to add too that the other there's another population that trio serves that I didn't mention was people with disabilities, and so um, they they also qualify in many of the programs. So um, veterans, homeless, of course, um, automatically qualify for trio uh, services too. So get involved reach out to me. I'm at North Hennepin Community College, and I'll just give you, I can give you my number. How about 763-424-0904. I take calls all the time from people wanting to know more about the programs. Um, so, yeah.
0: Excellent. Well, I want to thank uh, Shelly uh, today. I, I want to thank Shelly for the hard work that she's doing for on behalf of our community and, and our citizens and making sure that they have access to education and having that freedom to get there, get that done, make it through that, and really take it to the next level as far as their lifestyles and things they can accomplish in the world. So again, thank you very much, Shelley, for joining us today on ESG Players Podcast. I'm Jonathan Kavaznik, your host.
2: Thank you for
1: having me. ESG Players Podcast can be found on iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and many other platforms through the Backroom Studios. That's Backroom Studios, S-T-E-W-D-I-O-S. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC, Jonathan B. Kavosnik, CHFC, Registered Representative, Advisory Services offered through Securities America, Advisories, Inc. Cherokee Investment Services, Bank Cherokee, and Securities America are separate companies, not FDIC insured, no bank guarantees, may lose value, not insured by any government agency, not bank deposits. If you have any questions, please contact Jonathan Kavaznik at jkavaznik, that's K-V-A-S-N-I-K, at securitiesamerica.com.